Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, first let me set up some background to make the flow of the story smoother. This happened almost 19 years ago too. So I was nearly 13 years old and I was being raised by my grandparents. We lived in a a tourist town in Florida. They had problems with their two daughters as adults, my mother being the older of the two, and they wanted to do everything that they could to make sure that I didn't turn out the same way. A do-over, if you will. So, needless to say, they were very strict. My aunt was having a good period at the time, She kind of got her stuff together and we were all pretty close. My aunt also understood what it was like to be raised under a glass dome, metaphorically speaking, and so, being as she was my only aunt, she made sure that the time we spent together was really cool. I would stay over Saturday nights and we'd go out and hang out at the pier and she'd let me hang out with my middle school boyfriend who would find ways to get to wherever I was. Now, my grandparents had no idea of any of these activities, of course. I was just spending some quality time with my aunt and giving them a break. It was actually nice that I had a younger female figure since my mum wasn't around, and one night, when we were out having fun, my aunt meets this guy and they really hit it off. He was really nice and introduced himself to me. He went by JR and, at first, was kind of charming and a bit of a talker. They exchanged numbers after hanging out a while, and when we went home, we went to bed. They ended up going out a bit more too, and my aunt had really liked JR. He took her to his home and introduced her to his father and showed her around his land, and he lived out in the woods in the middle of nowhere. I've lived in this town for 30 years, and I still to this day couldn't tell you exactly where it is. I was only there once, and he was teaching my aunt how to shoot a gun. I remember her shoulder rocking back with the impact of the shot and it surprising her and he had those uh, those weird flamenco dancing clothes in his closet and it was all seemingly harmless and I mean everyone has their quirks right? 
Well, about ten days, maybe two weeks later, we were again at the pier out by the payphones just talking about what to do that night and what to get for dinner and whatnot. JR and my aunt were in their late 20s, early 30s, and as much as she loved me, I, I imagine that there were times that I kind of got in the way. Anyway, we're at the pier and he's talking about how he has these painkillers. He offered me one and I declined of course and I told him that I had a high tolerance to pain anyway and didn't need that stuff. He then, with a huge smile, asks if he can see for himself, assuring that he won't really hurt me, he's just trying to have some fun. And this guy twists my arm behind my back until I hear a pop. I start to cry and he laughs and says, Oh sweetheart, I was only playing. You said you had a high tolerance. I guess I was stronger than I thought I was being. I'm sorry, but there's no need to ruin the good time that we're all having. I go into the private peer office, which my granddad managed, crying obviously, and my aunt comes in and lets me know that she thinks it's pretty messed up too and that she's talked to him about it. She goes back outside and he asks her what she's up to that night. She tells him that she isn't sure if I'm staying over because with what had just happened and all that. I was whining about going home and honestly, I was pissed that she hadn't decked him right there for hurting me. And well, he tells her that she should meet him under the Sunset Bridge at 2am on the other side of town. He says that the stars are really beautiful there and you can listen and hear the fish. He tells her that he would love to see it with her and that they can dance under the moon and whatnot. We were all from a fishing family and live in a fishing town, so fish activities under the bridge at late times wasn't necessarily something that threw up a red flag or anything. If it's dark and late, there won't be people there hogging on the fish. So, she tells him maybe and we leave. I decide to spend the night after all, later sneaking in, only if she'll pick up my boyfriend Charlie, playing up on the guilt points. She calls him when she gets home, before we made our arrangement about Charlie, and says that she can come, but she'll have me with her. He groans and is like, fine, alright, I guess she can come too. Maybe she'll get tired and sleep in the car. About an hour after she called him, the first time I asked her about Charlie, she agrees. She sits down with me and hugs me and touches my face lovingly, apologizing for what had happened with my arm, and she then calls him again and tells him to not worry. She's picking up Charlie, so I'll have my own entertainment and they can have their time. But then, he goes into a rage and starts sputtering and cussing about how it's too complicated now, and he just wanted an intimate meeting with her and not a damn family reunion. He went on about how he... He didn't want to have to babysit a 13-year-old kid and her 14-year-old boyfriend. And he hangs up after calling her a crazy bitch. She bewilderingly hangs up the phone and tells me what happened. We go about our night with pizza rolls and PlayStation and things are fine. He calls her a few more times and drives by the house for a couple of weeks, but my aunt was pretty much having none of it. And after a while, he left our lives just as swiftly as he'd come. The whole affair lasted only a month, if even that, and three weeks maybe, I think, and all in all, it wasn't the craziest experience she had with a man. But JR was soon forgotten about, and we went about our business. Flash forward about two years later, and I'm almost out of middle school now. My aunt had moved to a city about 40 miles away, and I still lived with my grandparents. They were still strict, but as they had gotten older, so had I. In other words, I knew a few ways around the rules. 
Now one day, my friend Frank and I missed the bus home from school and called our good high school friend Darla to pick us up and take us home after riding a bit. She had this big beautiful red truck and I would ride around in the cab of it, loving the freedom and the wind. We were smoking cigarettes and laughing and just listening to the radio. The time I would have spent on the bus before my stop was just enough time too to hit up the taco drive through and we cruised down the road a bit before heading back to Frank and I's house. But we had a lot of fun that day and she dropped me off first. My grandparents came outside and they were heavily confused at the sight of an unknown vehicle and even more so when they saw that I had gotten out of it. After letting her be the one to explain because she was older, cooler and more responsible, my parents thanked her for being kind enough to take me home. They said how lucky I was that she had just happened to be there to help me get home. The things we do to our parents, eh? Hey? <laughs> Anyway, that was the last time we ever saw my friend. She didn't show up for work for five days and I can't speak for everyone, but I assume that she'd just run away or something. Dala's parents were going through a nasty divorce at the time and the dad had a hot new girlfriend and the mother was very bitter about it. Rightfully so, I guess, but it was embarrassing for all of the kids. Her truck wasn't left behind though and I figured that she just got tired of her parents acting like infants and just took off. I missed her, but she was in a whole other league of freedom and coolness. 16 is just a, a whole different life than 14, especially when you're in different schools. And so I, I wished her well, and maybe even a little envious that she got out of this town and I was still here. I hadn't heard anything for two weeks about her when, at about nine at night, my grandparents got a phone call to turn on the news because apparently Darla's body was found out in the woods. She'd been strangled to death and just left out there and I don't even know for how long. Obviously, I was devastated. I was really joyful that I had that last experience with her but just really saddened and horrified. I mean, she was so young, barely older than myself. She was about to be 17 in just a short time, and it was a really sad time for our town. The good and bad news is that they caught the guy that had done it. He confessed after some very incriminating evidence, and during his questioning, also confessed to killing his girlfriend, who had been missing for about eight years, and also his father, staging his death to look like a suicide by hanging. When they showed his mugshot on the screen and said his name... I swear that I almost passed out, because there, clear as day on the screen staring back at me, was a picture of JR. Now, I had no idea that they even knew each other. I can't even imagine what would have happened if we had gone under the bridge that night. Investigation Discovery Channel did a piece on it a couple of years back, and I was shocked to see it on TV. The memories came rushing back and I decided to write them all down and I literally have found a newfound appreciation of life now that I'm old enough to understand just how close I could have been to being killed that night. I have a beautiful life with my husband and three boys that most likely wouldn't have happened if things had gone differently that night. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I was a janitor for a little bit a while ago in a building that was only accessible by a key fog. You'd need one to get into the front door and you'd have to use it again to enter the offices too. Now, the shift was from uh, about 4pm to midnight and if I finished early, I got to leave while still being paid until midnight. Each night I'd hang out with my co-workers in the office until 5pm and then we'd all head out to our buildings. I'd empty all the trash bins first, vacuum and mop where needed, take care of any scheduled cleanings like uh, steam cleaning the curtains and whatnot, and I'd hit the bathrooms last since everyone would normally be out of the office at that time. Now most nights I was finished between 8pm and 9pm and there was a night when I was finishing up and all I had to do was clean the bathrooms. I did the women's bathroom without any issues and then I headed into the men's bathroom and when I went in, the lights turned on because of that sensor thing and there, standing in the middle, was a, a man that I'd never seen before, just standing there in the middle of the bathroom, dead still. He had his head down in a weird way and I have no idea who he was or how long he was in there, but he had to have stood still long enough for the lights not to go off. And then... He must have remained motionless so that they wouldn't turn back on. And when I saw him, I just turned around and I left for the night. So I was around 12 when I got in a babysitting job with a family across town. This family was new to the area and just recently bought the house next to my best friend's place. My first day over was to just kind of get familiar with the kids in the house and whatnot. The parents stayed and evaluated me and, of course, I answered any questions and I spent my time playing and keeping the children occupied and there was a boy named Devon, age 4, and a girl named Cameron, age 7. So, obviously, I, I had my work cut out for me. Cameron wanted me to go to her room so that she could show me her toys and I followed her up the two flights of stairs but... As we came to the top of the stairs, I felt strangely lightheaded and the hair on my arms just rose up. I just had a, an intense feeling of being watched, like there was someone else up there with us. I tried to ignore the sensation and continue with my duties of finding Cameron's favorite doll so that we could go back downstairs and at the end of the day it was decided that I was a good match and I was to come back on Saturday morning. 
But as I headed home, I, I just couldn't shake the feeling that I got from that upstairs section. I told myself that, eh, it must be nothing, and I brushed it off to just being a new place and unfamiliar surroundings. So Saturday morning rolls around, and I show up to a busy home as the parents tried to get out the door and show me the last minute things that I needed for the day ahead. The kids were up in their PJs, just eating breakfast, and already talking to me about all the fun things that they wanted to do today. After the parents left, I ushered the kids off to get changed. As I was cleaning up the breakfast dishes, I, I heard a loud bang coming from the dining room. I ran into the room and found one of the false ceiling tiles had fallen from its place. Puzzled, I tried to put it back up, but it wasn't an easy task, and after some struggling, I managed to fit it back in, and I thought to myself, how could it have fallen out by itself like that? Anyway, the day went on and now it's close to lunchtime and the kids are watching TV and I'm in the kitchen making something for lunch when I hear a, a loud bang coming from the dining area again and I look and sure enough that tile's come out again. This time I, I left it for the parents to see when they get home. Maybe they can fix it I thought. Now the kids wanted to play hide and seek so we started off with Cameron seeking and myself and Devon hiding. As Cameron started to count, we scurried around trying to find the best hiding place and I found the downstairs bathroom to be the best place for me. It was easy enough for Cameron to find me and I hid Devon close to me so that I could keep an eye on him. As I entered the bathroom, I closed the door quietly behind me and I walked a few steps into the room and was now facing the mirror. As I was looking to my reflection, I also noticed something behind me moving. It was the the closet door directly behind me and it was slowly opening. The closet door opened halfway and then just slowly closed again on its own. And I had the same feeling come over me like I had when I was upstairs on the first day. Wide-eyed with fear, I, I turned to the bathroom door and just ran out of there and all I could think of was, what the hell just happened? I was really starting to worry that this house was haunted and I now had every horror movie that I'd ever watched playing through my head. And now I'm, I'm finding it really uncomfortable, but I decided it's best to just keep occupied, so I break out a board game for us to play on the living room floor. I think it was Hungry Hippo or something. We were playing for around 20 minutes before I noticed something out of the corner of my eye moving again. I turned my head to see what it was, and it's a... A child's shoe just tumbling across the floor all by itself. The kids stopped and we all just watched in confusion and honestly, I was in disbelief. Cameron let out a scream and she just ran for the door and at this point, I grabbed up Devon and I just followed her. We went to my friend's house next door and we told her mum everything and I'm not sure if she believed me but we stayed over there until the parents got home. When they showed up, we told them what we saw, and I don't think they believed me either, but I showed the panel that fell out, and apparently it's been an issue since they moved in. And as for the rest of my accounts, they just chalked it up to a, an overactive imagination. But I know what I saw and what I felt, and I know that I wasn't imagining things. I later found out a bit of history of the house, and apparently the man died in that house of a heart attack upstairs in a room above the dining room where the panel kept falling out.
This happened back when I was 17 and living in a small rural village. I'd been in a friend's all evening just watching films and chilling and I left to go home at around 11pm. It was quite a long walk back to mine as she lived on the outskirts of the village down some back roads and I felt relatively safe as when it got to a certain time of the night, it was pretty quiet here. Honestly, you wouldn't bump into anybody and there would hardly be any cars on the roads especially at that late hour and it was weirdly peaceful. Where I lived was a large avenue too with two big blocks of houses like uh, the two big circles that you would get to after following a small dark road that consisted of a few large old houses. So as I'm walking I see this little beat up Nissan Micra coming towards me and the closer it gets the more it slows down and the guy is nearly breaking his neck trying to look at me. I mean that there was nothing subtle about it at all and he nearly came to a stop as it drew alongside me and I started to panic. There was not another soul about, just me and this strange guy and I was determined not to get myself in a tiz so I picked up the pace and refused to look at him and as far as I knew he, he drove off. I continued walking home which was literally a five minute straight line from there and I kept listening out for a car engine and was vigilant of any headlights just creeping up behind me or anything. I didn't hear anything and I didn't see anything so I breathed a sigh of relief as I could now see my house. I walked in and locked the door and I saw my mum stood in the living room just chatting on the phone. I'm trying to interrupt a conversation telling her about the weird guy in the red car when for some reason she goes to the front window and peeks through the curtain and she takes the phone from her ear and says, what, that car? This was all in a minute since walking through the door and I'm thinking to myself, it can't be him because if he had followed me, I would have seen or heard his car for sure. But before I get a chance to look for myself, there's a knock at the front door, so I go and answer it, only pulling it open a few inches and there's this guy stood there, empty handed, wearing like a, a baseball cap. And it was definitely the same guy from the car and... I'm just like, what the hell? I say, can I help you? And he says, did you order pizza? And I'm like, no, I, I think you have the wrong house. Taking a step towards me, he says again in a not messing around kind of tone, no, I said, did you order a pizza? And before I reply, my mum has come up behind me, opening the door fully and says, is there a problem? This causes him to back up mumbling I must have the wrong address before he just gets in his car and takes off. Needless to say we were both a bit spooked out by this and we made sure everything was locked up properly for the next few weeks. A few months ago I responded to an Instagram ad for a girl that was new in town and needed someone to watch her dog while she went on a trip. I didn't know her well and just that she was extremely spiritual and maintained a, an Akashic record practitioner business or something. Still not quite sure what that certification or business title means but we've since become friends. So it was a great dog sitting gig. The dog was really intelligent and sweet and her house, though small and a little out of the way in the countryside. Well, it was cozy and relaxing and complete with all of the spiritual supplies, crystals, sage sticks, candles, all that sort of stuff. And the backyard had a, a hammock and string lights and crickets chirping in the evening and quite honestly, 
It was really peaceful and beautiful. The whole gig was supposed to be a nice getaway for me, but I was wary because I knew the chick dabbled in lots of uh, spiritual things, and in the back of my mind, I worried what type of energy she might be letting into her space. And there was definitely something spooky about it too. Like, for instance, when we met at the house to discuss details, she looked overhead suddenly and sighed deeply. And when I looked up, I saw an open-winged hawk gliding closely to us through the pine tree landscape, and it was a majestic sight, and as we stood there silently, it felt as if we were meant to be there. Not in a romantic sense, but kind of in an eerie one. It was as if time just kind of stood still or something. Anyway, the energy of a house seemed to come alive at night, and each time nightfall came, feelings of just unease crept up on me. I obviously pushed those feelings out of my head and attributed the spooky feeling to the fact that there was no TV in the house, so maybe it was just really quiet and I just wasn't used to it. I had been there alone for a week and had a responsibility to be there for this dog, so no room to get scared, right? Well, towards the end of my stay, I was sitting up on the couch one evening and I felt something touch my right arm, just a soft poke, in the space between my shoulder and elbow. I looked at my arm, looking behind me, and I glanced all around the room looking for some sort of logical explanation, and I told myself that it must have just been a draft from the fan or something. It totally wasn't, but again, I, I didn't want to be scared, and I didn't know what to think. I finished my beer, and I went to bed eventually, and... In the following weeks, I told the story to my friends and a few of my sisters, but never mentioned it to the lady that I was sitting for. I'm not sure why, I, I guess I just didn't want her to be offended or something. However, she ended up moving out of that house and back to her home state of Vermont, so I finally decided to reach out and pry a little bit. I asked her if she ever felt anything spooky in the house, and that was pretty much it. Keep in mind too that I had told her nothing of what I had experienced. And here's her response. She told me that, yes, especially at night, it would start to feel really eerie and sometimes I would feel a hand on my right shoulder. It used to scare me so bad that I would run to bed and hide under the covers, but then I started to look at it as a, a hand guiding me through the darkness. After she told me this, I... I told her all about my experience about feeling something touch my right arm. And she said, yes, I'm quite certain that it was the same. With a really weird and kind of joyful little giggle. Obviously, I never went back to that place and after some time, I lost touch with that woman too. This happened about four years ago at my then-girlfriend's house. She lives in the sticks of NC with the neighbors on either side about a, a half a mile away. Her parents and older brother were home at the time and for context, we were both 15. It was around 11pm on a Saturday and a car pulled up in the driveway and the headlights shined through my girlfriend's bedroom window and we heard a car door shut. My girlfriend and I figured it was a family friend or someone who was coming to hang out and drink with her parents or something and we honestly didn't pay it much mind. About 10 minutes later, my ex's father comes into the room looking pretty frantic. He tells us to lock the windows and to grab her gun just to be safe. We walk out of the front door and we sat with her mum and brother in the kitchen. 
Her dad comes back around two minutes later and walks into his bedroom, comes out with a handgun and walks out the front door again. We honestly had no idea what was going on, but soon we heard her dad yelling and then he walks back inside saying that he took care of the situation. He told us that there was a car parked in the driveway with the headlights off and a person in the driver's seat. He said that he reached for the door handle, but the person looked up and whipped in reverse out of the driveway. However, he thought that there was still someone in the woods because of the car door that we heard, so he walked back outside with a flashlight and his gun. When he came back in, he told us to lock everything and for all of us to stay in one room. He said that he was walking around the house and he shined his flashlight into the woods and there was a trail of reflectors that were stuck to trees leading from the road to their house and he fired his gun a few times to hopefully scare them away. Thankfully, nothing else happened but it was a nerve-wracking experience nonetheless. But was this someone planning on robbing us or murdering us or something? We had no idea but I'm glad that we didn't have to find out. We obviously all sat and slept in the living room together that night and I left the next day. I also forgot to mention that the reflector things, they were actually screwed into the tree so this was definitely premeditated. Her father actually left them up for the night but took them down the next morning and the whole situation was eerily weird. A little over a year ago, I had a job working overnight at a gas station close to my house. I'm a woman and was 31 at the time. I know that to some it's going to seem unsafe for a woman to work graveyard shift by herself, but it was a slow store and the sheriff's office was about 20 feet across from it. Honestly, I, I really didn't think that I would have that many problems. And I mean, there would be about 30 customers in an 8-hour shift and... And that was uh, on a busier night too. Anyway, it was about 3.30 in the morning and I went outside to sweep the parking lot and last minute check the trash and all that. It was time for a cigarette and I had one headphone in kind of jamming out. Across the road in the parking lot of the sheriff's office I, I saw a figure with his back to me. He was swaying back and forth while looking down and honestly it uh, looked like he was enjoying a much needed piss or something. But against the sheriff's office though? Yeah, the building closes at 4pm and doesn't open again until 6 the next morning, but why? By the back of his ripped white t-shirt, I, I remembered that he had come in about 4 hours earlier. He was a total creep and I could already tell that he had a good buzz going. I didn't say anything and I just took my eyes off of him and tried not to draw attention to myself. And it was working until a car pulled in. I was still outside as they pulled up and I saw him look at the car and then at me and back and forth again. As the customer is leaving I walked her outside and I still had half a smoke burning and had left my dustpan outside with the squeegee. But we both heard him start to swear angrily and seemingly engage in an argument with himself and she looked across the road and told me to be careful. I made an awkward joke about him being the one who should be more afraid of me or something like that and the man was still there but closer to the road now, facing the parking lot of my store. But whatever he was yelling was completely unintelligible too. He was obviously very drunk and could barely stand straight, still swaying away. I didn't engage him but I didn't take my eyes off of him at this time too. 
I just kind of slowly walked back into the store and something about his face just really bothered me. It had a, a darkness to it, but his eyes just looked wild. My experience during graveyard jobs has been that crazy-eyed ones are the worst ones. I didn't like it at all and I wanted no part of it and I still had almost three hours to go and two before any other employees got there. So instantly, I went to the computer and typed up a temporarily closed sign just in case he wanted trouble. I was coming around the counter on my way to the doors when I saw that he'd walked across the road to my side now. I literally just barely got the second door locked when he stumbled into a very small parking lot. My hand makes the mimed hand signal for cut across my neck, basically saying, no, sorry, you can't come in here, we're closed. And I shook my head back and forth too, hoping to further discourage him. He started walking away, but screamed something at me while he's walking it. I don't mean that he was grumpy and shouted at me or yelled that I was an asshole or anything. I, I mean, like, he was at an enraged volume and was violently throwing his hands just everywhere. But definitely knowing that I'm in the wrong shift of the wrong job, I, I got really skeeved out at that point. I decided to call the cops at this point, and it's a good thing too, because the minute that I hung up with them, there he comes again up to the door and he starts pulling and banging on it and he backs up and runs into it trying to ram it not that it would have done any good but i made the mistake of telling him that i'd called the cops and his ass was about to be grass and i say that i made the mistake of telling him because once i said that he took off the police never did find him too and they drove around the road and surrounding neighborhoods for over an hour but basically found no one he was on foot too, so I don't get where he could have gone. He didn't harm me, and with them not finding him, I, I didn't fill out a police report or anything, and I was safe behind thick glass doors that were locked for the rest of my shift. But the whole situation just really sucked, and maybe if I didn't warn him ahead of time, I, I wouldn't have had to have spent the last three months of my job just constantly looking over my shoulder. I'll never really know what the right choice was, but... I'm just glad that I don't work there anymore. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.